Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Why don't you turn and greet someone next to you this morning and tell them it's so good to see you today. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord, church. Doesn't Brother Malone do such an outstanding job emceeing our services? Let's give him a good hand this morning. Amen. That's not an easy job. Balancing natural logistics with spirituality, knowing knowing when to do what, it's not easy. So I honor him this morning, and I mean that sincerely because I appreciate it so much. I want to turn your attention today to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to read our same scripture text that we started with last week, and we're going to wind up this small little two-parter today. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. To those of you that are here, those of you that are joining us by way of Facebook and YouTube this morning, we welcome you in Jesus' name. And pray that you get something out of our opportunity of worship this morning. Our scripture text is found in Matthew chapter number 28. And I've still got voice struggles this morning, so we're just going to do the best we can do. Amen. And we'll do that together. Matthew 28 and 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you for standing for the reading of God's word today. Last week, and I I will not and cannot take the time this morning to repeat last week, but last week we covered uh, a bit of a high-level introduction to the topic of Jesus. He is the only answer. And we're talking about the revelation of who he is. And we spoke last week about that from the perspective of Matthew and Mark. Today I want to pick this up and continue from the the perspective of the writer Luke. And we refer to it, uh, in our, our terminology, we refer to it as the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission are words that humanity has applied to explain and describe the expectations that Jesus has of his disciples 
hereafter. The expectations that Jesus laid out for his disciples did not stop in 33 AD. If we fast forward uh, 2,000 years or so, we can adequately state today that the expectations that Jesus had of his disciples then, he still has of his people today. But before we attempt to fulfill those expectations, we must first understand who he is. Because it is the revelation of who he is that allows me to have faith in who he is. If I did not know him, then I would not believe him. When, when, I, when I sit and I listen to speakers speak, it doesn't matter what topic, I have to first, and maybe I'm the oddball here, and if that's so, then just, just bear with me this morning, but I have to first try to develop some type of connection with them to understand who are they. And the reason for that is, is I don't want to just listen to everything everybody has to say. Amen. That's a dangerous game. It's, and that's, that, is, that is popular today. That is popular. That's not in my notes today, and I don't want to get off on a soapbox, but it, it's popular today to take social media at face value and just run with it. Well, let, let, let me burst your bubble here this morning. Not everything you see on Facebook is true. Not every, not every feed you read on Instagram is true. Go look it up. Uh, my, my wife and I were, were scrolling together. I don't know whose phone we were on, but we were uh, scrolling a few things together the other day, and we come across a very beautiful picture. This was right after we woke up to the snow, I guess yesterday morning. So I guess it was yesterday. And we come across a, a photo, beautiful photo of New York City, had snow on the ground, and we, we immediately thought, oh, wow, they got snow too. Looked it up. They didn't get snow. It was an old picture. So not everything that we hear at face value is what we need to be following. So we need to understand the who. We need to understand the what. And the who today is Jesus Christ. The who today is the one who died, who rose from the dead the third day. The who today is the one that the apostles had a very hard time grasping his mission. They did not understand his purpose and they, they really weren't listening very well. So after his death and his burial and his resurrection, Jesus now says to them, and we do not have anyone in our media this morning, they are, they are, we have limited staff here today, so they're off in classrooms teaching, so you'll have to hopefully follow me in your Bible or your phone today, but Luke, Chapter 24 and verse 44 says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, pre-death, burial, and resurrection, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand 
the scriptures and said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now let's put ourselves in their place for just a moment. They didn't really understand the fulfilling of his calling. They did not really understand his mission. But here's this guy that they've been raised up with that around the age of 30 or so starts doing miracles. Starts performing all of these great and wonderful, magnificent things and starts teaching them things that they've never, they've never really fully understood yet. So they're following Jesus. They're walking with Jesus and they've fallen in love with Jesus. And for three years, they've left their callings. They've left their natural calling. They've left being a physician and a tax collector and a, a fisherman and they followed after him. And now all of a sudden, he's, he's arrested, he's beaten, he's murdered. Kind of probably crushed their world. Because all of those things happened without the disciples having a real full understanding of why did this need to happen. My master has been taken. My master has been murdered brutally. We might even add unnecessarily. Whew. Had to crush the world because they did not understand the what for the who. And now Jesus is saying he's opened their understanding that they might understand the scripture, thus it is written, and thus it behooved. Behooved is a word that translates as it was necessary. It was, Jesus is telling them, it was written and it's necessary. So it was, now these are not my words. These are Jesus' words about himself stating that it was necessary for him to die. It was necessary for him to be buried. And it was necessary for him to resurrect from the dead on the third day. Jesus, now I, I don't know at what time, I wish I did, I, I, I play this reel in my mind sometimes and I wonder when he was 12 year old speaking in the temple, did he see himself as a 33 year old on the cross? I don't know. I don't know at what point he fully understood his mission. Since he was God robed in flesh, he might have known that laying in the manger. I don't know. But what I do know is when we get to Luke chapter number 24, and we read this writing, we find the fulfillment of him stating to his disciples that it was not optional. Death was necessary. He had to die, he had to be buried, and he had to rise from the dead the third day. Those three components are all part of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Allow me to say this and say it respectfully this morning because I know that we are apostolic in this church and I know that we believe in the apostles' message. 
But let me say to us this morning, to our, to our home church today at least, let me say this today, that our gospel message of Jesus Christ has to be deeper than just Acts 2.38. Acts chapter 2 was the birth of the church, and I am not negating that at all. That is the foundational principle on which we, where we stand, where salvation was expanded to mankind. But our understanding of how we got to Acts chapter 2 starts when Jesus was walking the earth. So it has to go deeper than just repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. All that's necessary. I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but it starts with him having to die. Because we don't get to our repentance if he doesn't die first. We don't get to our baptism if he's not buried first because our baptism is symbolic of his burial. So if Jesus was never buried, I have no... I, why would I be baptized? I have no model to follow. And his resurrection from the dead, symbolic of our receiving of the Holy Ghost, our regeneration, our rebirthing, starts with his resurrection. So they all line up together today. Three components, part of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 states, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved... If you keep memory that when I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, back to the commission in Luke's gospel. Picking up Luke 24 and verse 47, Jesus is giving reasons why it was necessary for him to be buried. I just basically explained this, but I want to read it from Scripture now. Luke 24, 47, and that, number one, repentance. And number two, remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, here's number three. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. That is the precursor to what happened in Acts chapter 2. So again, we don't have an Acts chapter 2 without a Luke 24. Amen. Somebody say amen. And he says, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The gospel of Jesus Christ is threefold. Now we're, we're talking today still about Jesus being the only answer. That's still our subject matter today. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose again. He died so that we must die in repentance. He was buried so that we must be buried in baptism. He rose again the third day that we must and might receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. So Luke 24, 
was a forwarding proclamation to Acts chapter 2 that Jesus would never leave us nor forsake us. That even though he might not be with us in bodily form to the disciples, that he would in the 21st century still be with an apostolic church that when we talk about his life, he shows up. When we talk about his death, he shows up. When we talk about his burial, he shows up. When we talk about his resurrection, he walks in the room because we need to acknowledge today that he never changes, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he never stops, he never faints because he is our answer today. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He never changes today. He's a great God. He never changes. The writer in the Hebrews says in 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same. When is he the same? Yesterday, today, and forever. I'm starting to feel a little bit better now. There's something magical that happens when Jesus shows up. He promised us that if we'd talk about him, he'd be there. He's the same when I look over my shoulder, when life might not have been very good. But if I analyze what wasn't good, it wasn't that he wasn't good. He's still the same. When I look in my current situation, whether things be good or whether things be bad, if I analyze the things that aren't good, and even if I analyze the things that are good, I can still see around my environment that there's no fault in Jesus because he's still the same. He is, ladies and gentlemen, and I say this to all of us, myself included, he is always right where we leave him. How many times have we came into the house of God not feeling like we wanted to be here? You, you, don't, have, you, don't, have to, you don't have to be honest with that this morning. You can, you can keep it to yourself. I'll be honest for you. There are times in my humanity, Brother Fred, that I come to the house of God that I am here out of pure obligation. Can I be honest with you this morning? Can I be honest to the point of, of risking exposure or risking scrutiny? I, I, I'm not here every time with a smile on my face that is real. There are times I smile just because I don't want you to see the pain. There are times I smile just because I don't want you to know what's going on. There are times I am here only because I believe in him, but not because I think he's going to do anything for me. I know this is resonating with someone this morning. I don't come to church every time I come to church because my life is great. I come to church because he's the same today that he was yesterday. And when he said, I'll never leave you, and when he said, I'll never forsake you, I believe his word today that he never changes. And I need an unchanging God in my life. I need a God that is resolute and whose promises are real. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So he's the same. He was the same yesterday. 
John 8 and 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, one of my favorite verses of Scripture, because when we talk about the oneness of the Godhead and we expand on the scriptures that says great is the mystery of godliness and we try to rationalize who he is, we have to stop and pause and reflect that he said before Abraham was. Some 15 to 1,500 to 2,000 years before him. He's saying before Abraham was. He was saying that because he's speaking to a group of people that idolized the, 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 uh, the hierarchy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They still do today, culturally, that, that, that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a very repeated phrase in many prayers and many, many things that are done within the Jewish community that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But even more than that, the God and the Messiah that we serve today, we acknowledge that not only is he the God of Abraham, but standing in 33 AD, he could rightfully declare that he was before Abraham was. Ladies and gentlemen, it don't get more powerful than that when you start rationalizing who God is and understanding that he never changes. Before Abraham was, I am. The phrase, verily, verily, I say unto you, is translated with the meaning of believe it or not, it's a fact. Because in our humanity, it's a little hard to believe. Now, we, we apostolics believe it because of exposure, right? We've had this teaching. But if you just look at it from a carnal perspective, how can a man standing here 33 years old say that he was before someone that lived 1,500 plus years ago? How is that possible? It's possible because of the statement where another one of my favorite New Testament verses where he declared, I and my Father are one. So he was before Abraham because he and his father are in alignment. They are one. Jesus Christ was the fleshly embodiment of an eternal spirit of God that never changes. He doesn't split atoms. He doesn't split one way this way as father, one way this way as son, one way this way as Holy Ghost. He is before all, through all, in all. He is God. And he never changes. He was our yesterday. He was the word that became flesh. Matthew twenty-two thirty-two. he said, I am the God of Abraham. Now he's rocking the world of the, of the religious leaders now because he's telling them, these men, these priestly leaders who quote, Brother Malone, who quote, that God is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and they're very stoic and religious in their practice. Jesus is looking them dead square in the eyes and he's saying, I am the God of Abraham. <laughs> I'd love to see the look on their face. Matthew 28, 20, he said, I am with you always. John 10 and 30, he said, I and my father are one. 
Jesus established himself as being from the beginning. Jesus established himself as being not just from 33 years prior to a birth in a manger. He's establishing himself to the revelation of who he really is. And that is the origin of time, the beginning of the world. And he took it one step further to say that he was also our today. He's able to handle our yesterday. How many is thankful this morning that he's also able to handle our today? Because yesterday's gone. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I can't change yesterday. I might have guilt, I might have scars, I might have troubles, I might have regrets. And if I'll turn all of those over to God, I can heal from that. It may take time. Uh, I'll, I'm not going to tell you today. And if it happens, it happens, that's great. But I'm not going to tell you that one trip to an altar is going to heal all your scars. And I think that's a mistake that we've, we've, we've not really said it in the church, but we may have implied it at times. And I want to be clear this morning, one trip to an altar may not heal you completely. No different than one trip to a physician and one dose of medication. Sometimes it takes multiple doses. Lord have mercy, I think I'm on round three already. I'm still saying God healed me. So... Looking at yesterday has value, but let's not get stuck looking at yesterday because he's still the God of today. And he's able to, I need a God that's able to handle my today because my today has issues. I, and it's, you know, I don't want him just for the issues. I need God in the things that are good because I owe him credit for those things. Because there's nothing good in me. I will stand here today and I will quote you like the Apostle Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am. There's nothing good in me. But if anything good happens, it's because he is able to handle my today. And if that's not enough today, he is also able to handle our forever. He established himself as consistent, dependable, and faithful. Consistency. Consistency cannot be overstated. For it's inconsistency we develop faith. One of the reasons why, I know the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if we unpack that just a little bit, it's the evidence of things not seen. That evidence is realized through a consistent portrayal of things that only God can do. We don't just, absent a deliverance of faith, we typically just don't wake up one morning and say, I've got faith. I believe. Something is demonstrated to us. I developed faith in God that he had not only the capacity, but the ability to heal by seeing him do it. The evidence of things, not evidence occurs as a result of an action. I remember, I remember, I, I, I'm trying to think how old I was. I was, I was a, a young, a young teenager. And I remember an evangelist calls my dad on a, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon, spur of the moment, said, I'm passing through town. 
I believe God has given me a message for your church. Dad said, come on. And my, my mother had hurt uh, one of her legs. I believe we had had fellowship out at mom and dad's house. And I believe it was playing badminton or volleyball, something like what we do around here. And uh, she, she was playing. She loved to play those games. And she, she turned or she did something. And she, she really, really damaged uh, one of her, her legs in, in, in the calf area of her leg. And the doctor had said, if, if, if memory serves me correctly, the doctor had said that they were going to have to uh, break her leg and reset it and then break it and reset it, break it and reset it over a period of, of many months to get that leg to come down because it had drawn up and would not move. And uh, she, was, she was having a tremendous amount of pain and difficulty with that, but she made her way to the house of the Lord that Sunday night. And she sat right there on that front pew with a, with a walker. She walked in or hobbled in on that walker for church and the, the, the evangelist who did not know anything of, of this scenario, he didn't know any of these happenings, he comes in and he preaches on the scripture text of silver and gold have I none. Some of you know where I'm going now. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, was the scripture text that he wrote, that he, that he preached from. And he, when he laid hands on her at the end of that sermon, that leg came down to the floor. That foot came down to the floor. We watched it as it happened. And Brother Fred, the walker that she hobbled into church on, she had folded up and she carried out with her that night. Now I'm telling you, that is the evidence. I didn't see God perform the healing. I saw the evidence. Oh, somebody help me now. I saw what God did by virtue of the result. That is faith. And my faith was built that night and over subsequent events in my life that I have seen God do for some of you and I've seen God do for some of me and we've had prayer band call after prayer band call of how God has healed and delivered people that should have died. That's faith. And that's faith that's built as an evidence of things that are done by a God that's capable of handling my yesterday, my today, and thank God he's capable of touching my tomorrow. Because he's consistent. If he was a wishy-washy God who healed sometimes and didn't heal at other times, we wouldn't build any faith in him. But thank God he's consistent today. He's consistent. He's dependable. And he's faithful. When you don't have anybody else to believe in, you can believe in Jesus. When you don't have anybody else to trust in, you can trust in Jesus. He is the everlasting I am. He is the unchangeable Jehovah. He is unchanging in his nature, in his perfections, in his love and affection to his people, in his power to protect and keep them, in his wisdom to guide and direct them, in his righteousness to clothe them. He's still God. The word same, the word same means when we talk about him being the same yesterday, today, and forever, the word same means alike in kind, degree, and quality. 
So he's not any weaker today than he was 2,000 years ago. His attributes are the same. That's how consistent he is. That's how dependable. He is so consistent, dependable, and faithful today that his strength has not wavered any from the day that he spoke the universe into existence. He's still the same. And that God that is still the same is still able to help us. He is still able to deliver us. He is still able to heal us. He is still able to change us. Because here's the fact today. If we are honest with ourselves, and I am not asking you to be honest with me. I'm asking you in your heart and mind to be honest with God. If we are honest with ourselves, that most of the time it's not God that needs changing. It's me. And when I say me for you, I'm saying you. It's me. I'll say me for me, but for you, it's you. We need the changing. When I don't feel God like I used to, if I really get honest with myself, that's not God's fault. Nor is it His responsibility. Because He's consistent. He's faithful. The world may change. Trends may change. Fashion may change. Oh, God, it has. Lord, help us. Technology may change. Technology is a funny thing. I told them this morning in pre-service prayer, cautioned everyone to, against using YouTube as a worship list on Sunday mornings. I had, I, had a, I had a good worship list going this morning. Pentecostals of Alexandria and Pastor Mangan's church, they were singing. Man, it was good stuff. And about the time I'd about the time I'd feel pretty good, a, a commercial break would come on. Are you serious? So technology may change. Healthcare may change. And I promise you it will. Jobs may change. Likes and dislikes may change. I may change. Taste buds may change. And that's literally and figuratively. But he is, and he always will be the same. Oh, could you lift your hands right now and just thank him today that he's consistent, that he's faithful, that he's dependable, that he is our only answer today. Even if I'm not where I need to be right now, I can at least acknowledge that he's the same as he's always been. Thank you, Jesus. He never sleeps. He never changes. He never misses an assignment. He's always on time. That's a hard one. If we're honest with ourselves, that's a hard one. Because if I'm honest, in my humanity, all right, this is, this is Jerry Mason 101 right here. Sometimes I think he's late. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm patting my foot, Brother Andrew, and I'm thinking, all right, God, where are you? Because I needed you six weeks ago. Where are you? But he's never late. If, if, he, if he's trying to teach us a lesson sometimes, maybe it's patience. I don't know. I don't pray for it because it's just going to happen the way that he designs it. But I'm telling you today, he's never late. He's right on time. He's always listening. He's always present. And, and, and listen, he never messes up. Now, I mess up sometimes. 
Let me rephrase that. I mess up a lot of times. I've, I've, got, a, I've, got, a, I've got an interview question that I've started asking in, uh, in recent, probably the last year or so when I'm interviewing someone uh, for certain positions. One of, one of the questions that I will ask Brother Malone is, when was the last time you were wrong and what did you do about it? Oh, it's amazing the kind of answers you get. Because the people that sit there and look at me and say, you know what, I really don't know. I'm probably going to pass on them. I'm not worried about what they were wrong about. I'm worried about them acknowledging that they were wrong. Because here's the truth of the matter. When we stand in the presence of God, we stand here oftentimes. We're not perfect. We stand here with dirt on our face sometimes, egg dripping off of our head because we've made mistakes. We may not have told anybody else, but we've made mistakes. He never messes up. He never fails. He is the same. Stand with me if you don't mind. We'll bring this to a close this morning. Jesus, he is the only answer. Luke 24 is a very, very powerful precursor to what led up to the upper room experience. And those things happened because he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And he was able to do those things because before Abraham was, he was. When Jesus said, all, all power in heaven and in earth belong to me. He wasn't declaring that for anybody else other than himself. Isaiah wrote, I spanned the heavens. I, I, I'm, I'm not quoting this verbatim. I'm putting this in my words. But Isaiah wrote, I spanned the heavens and I looked across the universe to try to find another God and I didn't see one. There is no other God other than Jesus Christ. And thank God we recognize today that he is our only answer. And I, I made this statement to you last week, and I'll close with it today, that we are not simply just uh, an ostrich sticking our head in the proverbial sand and, and being Jesus only. Today, based on the revelation of the word of God, we are Jesus everything. Because he is our everything today. Lift your hands with me one more time today. Let's call on the name of the Lord together as we prepare to close this service this morning. Jesus, I magnify you today. So thankful for you. <clears throat> so thankful for you, Lord. You are the only answer. You are the only answer. You've got the answer to every question we've got. You know the answer before we even recognize there's a question today. You are the mighty God. You are, ever, you are the revelation of the one God in Christ. Oh God, we're so thankful for you today. 
Lord, we believe today in your word. We believe in baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we believe in how that led over to an upper room experience where the, after the Holy Ghost was given, it was declared to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins that we might and would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your promises today. Thank you, Lord, that there's a shall in our life and not a might, that there's a shall in our life and not a maybe. Lord, that your word is absolute and it is certain today, and we're so thankful for that. And the church said amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. We're going to prepare. I'm going to ask Brother Malone to come. We're going to prepare to take up our Operation Share offering. As we close the service this morning, Brother Fred, could you come this morning and, and help us today? Um, God bless you today. Brother Malone will close the service. We're so thankful to have had you with us this morning. Come back tonight. I'll say this because he might not, but come back tonight. We are looking forward to Brother Malone ministering for us tonight. And uh, be with us tonight at 6 o'clock in Jesus' name. How many are thankful for the word of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Such a blessing to be here and an honor. Let's go ahead and pray over this offering. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we thank you. God, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to give back. Lord, that this, uh, the funds that come forward, God, Lord, the giving, that it's going to bless those in the community that are just less fortunate. God, Lord, we pray that you would bless it, multiply it, and God, use it for your intended purposes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.